Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Appreciate you joining us again today. I want to introduce not a coffee mug today, but I want to show you a gift that Wanda and I just received from John and Gina. So thanks, John and Gina, for this. Got some Tim Hortons and some Dunkin' Donuts coffee. That is a marriage made in heaven. We're actually going to talk about a marriage made in heaven today. So I thought that was a perfect illustration there. Tim Hortons and Dunkin' Donuts doesn't get much better than that. We are in Revelation chapter number 19. Uh, If you have uh, your Bible open and want to follow along, we uh, talked a bit yesterday about the great praise uh, that we're going to enjoy in heaven. We're going to participate in. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God uh, for the victory that is ours in Christ, the victory over uh, sin and the devil and the the Babylon, the world system, and just the, the wonderful vindication that God brings. True and righteous are his judgments. And the, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 5, we talked a bit about this last episode at the end of the episode, where it says, a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God, all ye his servants. Our God, by the way, this was a, a, a collective praise. All ye his servants, ye that fear him, both small and great. We talked a little bit about that last episode, but I, I want you to see verse number six, as John continues to describe this incredible experience. Verse number six, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters. And I I know that to you and me, that might seem like, how would we describe a a big, full, awesome sound? How would we describe that? Well, we we have the the benefit of modern amplification, your loudspeakers, we, we have situations that we can create synthetically that are loud and and awesome subwoofers and all of that. But think about in, in nature, how would you describe something that is just awesome as far as a sound that would radiate and fill and feel? Well, you would describe it in terms of thunders or describe it in terms of waters. Have you ever been to the ocean when the waves are really crashing and it's thunderous. I mean, it drowns out all other sound. Have you ever been by a mighty rushing waterfall and you can't even hear yourself think? I mean, it's just that the noise is just thunderous in that, or maybe a, a, a the rapids of a river. So when John describes the, the praise that is being offered to God, when he describes the voice of, of, of a whole multitude, he describes it in terms of a mighty waters. Do you see that in verse number six? And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings, not just any old thunderings, but mighty 
thunderings. What an awesome experience this must have been as as the the voice of untold millions are are drowning out all other sound and and John could say I I can't describe it in, in any other terms but to say it's like mighty rushing water like mighty thunderings uh, verse number six toward the end the voice what what are the voices articulating well, the Bible says they're saying Alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And I can't read that verse without thinking about uh, Handel's Messiah and the Hallelujah Chorus. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And and it's said that when that that when Handel wrote the Messiah and it was played for the king, that the reason why people stand during the Hallelujah Chorus is because the king stood. There's just a regality about that song. There's just a, uh, an energy about that song. And listen, that's a human being. That, 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 that's sinful human beings in a finite number of people in a choir singing, and that gives us goosebumps. Can you even begin to imagine untold millions and millions of people with one voice, a glorified choir, singing the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He's not going to reign. He does reign. And you'll be there and you'll be in view of the throne room and you'll see the the, the heavenly choir and and the expanse of heaven and you'll 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 be a part of that reign. Uh, you'll sense the omnipotence. It's, it's not that God is any more powerful in that day than he is today, but we will have seen the crushing of this world system. We will see the victory that is ours in Christ, the omnipotence, the all power of God and sing together in a thunderous choir. Wow, what a day that will be. Verse number seven, uh, I like what... Uh, what, what the admonition here is in verse seven, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Well, I guess so. <laughs> what an understatement. Let us be glad and let us rejoice. Let us honor him. This is going to be a time of unmitigated joy and blessing and enthusiasm. And that's why that the heavenly choir and the effusive praise will be so thunderous there's a time to be loud. There's a time to be enthusiastic. And this is the time. So let us be glad and rejoice. Uh, let's give honor to him. But watch the specific reason that God gives us in verse number seven. For the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. So sometimes you hear that term, the marriage supper of the lamb or the marriage of the lamb. So let's define some terms. Well, first of all, who is the lamb? Capital L here. Well, you know as well as I do that the lamb here is the Lord Jesus. Uh, the, the, the lion and the lamb, he's both. We talked about that all the way back in Revelation chapter five, didn't we? The one that was worthy to open the scroll. Uh, the, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Our lamb, our Passover uh, Paul t told, told us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the one that, that, that was 
crucified for us, the one that took our place, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And then the Bible says it's the marriage of the Lamb. And so who is the the bride? If he is the bridegroom, if the Lamb is the bridegroom, who is the bride? We, the saints, are the bride of Christ. And and that's the imagery of the New Testament, uh, that as New Testament saints, you know, we're the bride of Christ. And throughout the New Testament, you find the imagery used. Uh, Even in John chapter 14, when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know that those were the words of a bridegroom. Back in Jewish culture, uh, there were a couple stipulations that had to be in place before an actual marriage could take place. Uh, One of which was there was a betrothal. There was a contractual marriage. There was the, the contract of marriage of husband and wife before there was the consummation, the physical coming together of marriage and, uh, of husband and wife. Okay, for instance, Joseph and Mary, uh, they were husband and wife before they had come together physically. That's why Joseph was confused at first when Mary came back from the hill country and she was pregnant and Joseph was minded to put her away privately, thought thought that she had been unfaithful. But of course, God clarified what had happened to Joseph in that dream. The point was that they were married. They were married contractually. They had They were espoused. So back in Bible days, espousal was marriage. It was contractual marriage. It wasn't like being engaged today, but it was contractual marriage. There just was no physical coming together yet. So when it comes to our relationship with Christ, the Bible says that we are espoused. Uh, Paul uses that exact same language in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 when he says specifically of the Corinthian church, I have espoused you to Christ as a chaste virgin. So in that sense, I've introduced you to Christ. You've trusted Christ as your Savior would be the language we would use. Therefore, you are saved. You are married. Uh, you, he will never put you away. He's not going to divorce you. So once we're saved, once we've trusted Christ, the contract is sealed. We are justified. We, we are declared righteous. That, that cannot change. But are we physically with Christ? Are we living with him? And the answer, of course, is no. That remains to be future. So when, when Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, those were the words of a bridegroom. Because in, in the Bible culture, the bridegroom had to have a place, his place, and he would come back to, uh, on the wedding day, on the day of consummation, he would come back with his friends, with the bridal party, and they would call out to the bride. She would be ready in her house, call out to the bride, that she would then leave her house, come out to him, and then together they would travel to his house, and there they would be, they would consummate the marriage. Uh, they would live together physically. So, boy, th- that's the imagery of the Bible, that one day Jesus Christ will come into the, into the clouds. He will call out to us as his bride. We will leave this earth and join him. We will go with him, 
and we will forever be with, forever be with the Lord. That's the language of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, that's what the Bible's teaching in Ephesians chapter 5, that Jesus is our bridegroom. He has saved us unto himself and for himself. Sometimes we think that salvation is all about God just saving us to be his widgets, to be his manufacturing tools, to get the job done. But we're, we're not saved to be workers per se. We're saved because Jesus loves us and he wants a, a permanent relationship with us. And so the marriage supper was the biggest and most colossal feast among the Jewish culture. It was the day when there was great celebration. Why? Because now husband and wife are together. They will live together. They will be together. They will be as one. And so the marriage supper of the Lamb is the consummation. It's the time when you and I will be with the Lord. And forever and forever and forever, that oneness will be celebrated as we are physically with the Lord. Wherever He is, that's where we're going to be, uh, permanently in the presence of the Lord. Wow, there's just so much here, isn't there? Look at verse number, verse number seven again. So let us be glad and rejoice, give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife hath made herself ready. So what is it to be ready for this marriage? Well, the Bible tells us in verse eight, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So what, what is appropriate for the wedding? A white, a white dress. We even do that today, don't we? And yet the righteousness of the saints is a righteousness that is ours because of Christ. So the righteousness that we have, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, so we are all children of God by faith of Jesus, uh, Paul taught us. So our righteousness is the gift righteousness of Jesus. So even on that wedding day, even on that day when every eye shall behold him, even on that the wedding feast day of heaven, the, the whiteness of our robe is a testimony to our faith in the spotless lamb of God. That's why it's the marriage supper of the lamb. Why? Because our righteousness is because of the spotless righteousness of the lamb of God. Boy, there's a whole lot more I want to say about this, but we're already out of time for today. But what a day. What a day. The marriage supper of the lamb. We're his today. If you know Christ, you're already, he's already the bridegroom. We are already the bride. But one day, one day to sit with him, to eat with him, to be with him, to finally have that day when nevermore will we be departed from him, even physically. Well, what a wonderful day that will be. So I hope that helps today. We didn't cover a whole lot of verses, but the ones we covered were pretty encouraging. We're going to jump back into verse number uh, nine, which kind of finishes the thought about the marriage supper. Uh, we'll do that next episode. Hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.